Let's just take a moment and appreciate all of our dads in the room today. Can we do that? We appreciate them so much. <clears throat> if you have your Bibles, turn with me, if you would, to the book of Romans. I'm going to be in Romans chapter 5 for one verse and then Romans chapter 8. Would you be so kind as to stand for the reading of God's Word? Romans chapter 5 and 1 verse, verse 8, and it says, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But God commended his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now if you flip over to Romans chapter 8. In verse 31, what shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Bow your heads with me if you would. Lord, we come before you today thanking you for your presence, thanking you for each and every dad here, each and every soul that is listening, whether it be in person or they happen to be tuning in online. God, would you, would you speak to them today through your spirit? And would you remind them today of the great magnitude of love that you have for each and every one of them. We thank you. We praise you for your word. And now as I stand here as an ambassador for the kingdom of heaven, I pray that the anointing of the great Holy Spirit will be upon the servant and upon the word to communicate in a powerful way. We give you thanks and we give you praise in Jesus' precious name. And the church said, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. The Father's choice, saving Jesus or saving us. There's not a better father to talk about today than the Heavenly Father. On this day that we express thanks, and we should, for the giving nature and the sacrifice of dads, there is not a more giving and a more sacrificial father than God Almighty. God, your Father, loves you. It is probable that someone here, consciously or unconsciously, may be attempting to earn from God what can only be given and received as a gift. And I pray today that your pride and independence would be broken and that you will 
grasp this truth that you cannot do enough good to earn this gift of love. And you cannot do enough evil that would prohibit you from receiving this gift of love. Let's talk about the magnitude today of the Father's sacrifice. We go through the motions of life, whether we're saved or unsaved, whether we're a believer or an unbeliever, and we don't have a real comprehension of the sacrifice that was made for our personal redemption from sin. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 tells us, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Today I stand before you as a servant of God and happy to be. Today I stand before you as a warrior in the army of the Lord for truly we are in spiritual warfare. Today I stand before you as an ambassador and every day that I live I represent the kingdom of God. But I am so much more than all of those titles. Today, I am a son of the Most High God. I am a son, and he is my daddy. He has given us that spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. So I hope that you'll behold the manner of love today. I also hope that you're reminded that that manner of love involves some sacrifice from the divine trinity from the Father, from the Son, and from the Holy Spirit. They were all involved in making salvation available to us. I mean to the Holy Spirit, be thankful today. The Spirit of God is who drew us to the cross. The cross would have been just another historical monument. The church would have just been another social help center that was community-sponsored. But his Holy Spirit revealed to me that I am a sinner and that I need a Savior. The Holy Spirit sacrificed time elsewhere to come by my heart and to say to me, a sinner who needs a Savior can only find relief and peace at the cross of salvation. And it was the Holy Spirit that led me there. Well, praise the Lord. Romans tells us, if we have not the Spirit of Christ, we are none of His. Jesus told us of the Spirit that He would convince the world of righteousness and, and temperance and judgment that is to come. Let me just tell you, in this great Pentecostal church where we believe in the operation of the Spirit, a long time before I was empowered to be a better witness, and a long time before I spoke in tongues, and a long time before I prayed in an angelic, heavenly, foreign, or unknown language, it was the Holy Spirit that convicted me. It was the Holy Spirit that drew me. It was the Holy Spirit that empowered me in my new life in Christ. I glory in the cross today because of the Holy Ghost that drew me to the cross and I am thankful for the Spirit of God. Amen. Hallelujah. 
Another member of the Trinity that is very important to be thankful to is Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, the sacrificial Lamb. We should be thankful to Him every day that we live. He sacrificed all splendor, all majesty, all honor, all riches. His constant abiding with the Heavenly Father in eternity past. He gave all of that up, robed Himself with flesh, disrobed Himself of divinity to live and to die for you and I. He died a death a sinner deserves. A cruel act of hatred that was done by the people of that day 2,000 years ago as well as done by you and I as part of this creation. You and I, through our sinful nature, helped to crucify Jesus on that cross. But the flip side of that is we accepted the significance of his crucifixion and now because of that Jesus Christ has given to each and every one of us eternal life. Well, praise the Lord. In him I live and move and have my being. But more than that, he saved me. He redeemed me. He set me free. Oh, let the redeemed of the Lord say so in the house today who's been redeemed from the hand of the enemy. To Jesus be thankful. He is your sacrificial lamb. To Jesus be thankful. His blood has washed you and made you whole. To Jesus be thankful for because of him your name is written down in the Lamb's book of life and you have a future and you have a hope. Well praise the Lord. Well praise the Lord. So to the Spirit be thankful. To the Son be thankful. But to the Father Father God Jehovah God be thankful. Now, let me tell you something. This is where sometimes we, it gets a little cloudy. And it's important to hear this today. Because I believe there are people out there, if they could in their mind and their heart, they would love Jesus more than they love God. You say, well, is it possible? It's possible if you have a warped perception of God. If you have this idea, you'd be surprised how many have this impression of God, that he's some kind of a stern and angry judge, that he's executionary in style. Then they perceive Christ as a go-between for you and that mean old judge. This perception has affected people. It's affected men and women and young people and children. And a lot of people spend their lives, listen to this preacher, avoiding God because it is a re-encounter with their own earthly father who was possibly and probably non-bonding and non-affirming. Anyone, anyone that grows up in an abused home or a neglected by your father home may very well perceive God, the heavenly father, in that same light. But it's my prayer today that the power of the word and the power of the spirit would break that impression over your life. For the scripture tells us for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever 
whosoever believes in him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. You want to know what the DNA of God is? The DNA of God is not harsh. It's not judgment. It's not anger. The DNA of God is spelled out in the scripture, and it's simply these three words. God is love. God is love. I want that to sink into your spirit today. Your heavenly father loves you greater than you can imagine. Let's talk a little bit this morning and expound upon the father's love for you. First, I want to talk about the father's agony of anticipation. For the Father lived, the Heavenly Father lived with this plan from the foundation of the world, which means for at least 4,000 years plus, the plan of redemption was anticipated, it was thought about, it was planned out during that 4,000 plus year period. Thousands upon thousands of animals were sacrificed. Their blood was spilled, goats and turtle doves and, and lambs to satisfy God's justice and righteousness, not his angry temper. Something had to be done to satisfy the righteousness of who God is. And so the scripture tells us in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 4, it says, For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sin. In. And so, and yet, along with that, the next chapter over, or back rather, in Hebrews 9.22 tells us that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. And so while the blood of bulls and goats could not satisfy the righteousness of God, there still had to be the shedding of blood. God knew those sacrifices were not enough. There was not enough animals, and no animal could satisfy that. There was no mere mortal that he had created that could satisfy that. Not the best of angels, not the seraphims or the cherubims, not the named angels that are high ranking in heaven, the Gabriels and the Michaels. They could not satisfy the righteousness of God. And in sacrifice, there still had to be a sacrifice of life to pay the penalty for sin. And the only one that could do it was the perfect one, God's only son, Jesus Christ. And that scenario, if, 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 if we knew with all of the sacrifice of those animals and how futile it was, we would be crying out like the Apostle Paul when he asked the question, Oh, wretched man that I am, who is able to deliver me from this body of death? But then he answered his own question when he followed up by saying, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Who's able to deliver me, Brother Dan? I'll tell you who's able to deliver me. The one that's able to deliver me is Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, and it was always part of the plan, and the Father was active in that plan. But the agony of that anticipation had to weigh heavy. It had to weigh heavy for, for tens of years, hundreds of years, thousands of years. But then it wasn't just the agony of anticipation. When I look again I see the father's sacrifice when I look at the, the pain of separation it wasn't just the anticipation but it was the pain of separation you see the trinity had always been together long before man in eternity passed there's always been the trinity God the father God the son and God the holy spirit they were and they are the divine triune Godhead three in specific distinctions but one in existence and in being they were 
were always together. Let me share with you a couple of examples that point that out. In creation, all three were present in creation. If you look, you'll see that the Father was there. In, in all six days of creation, it says, and God said, which tells us the Heavenly Father was certainly present in creation. But it wasn't just the Father that was present in creation. The Son was also present. We see in John chapter 1 and verse 3, speaking of Jesus, speaking of Jesus, the Son, it says all things were made by Him. In Colossians 1, 16, it tells us by Him, Jesus, were all things created. So God the Father was there, and God the Son was there. And can I tell you, God the Holy Ghost was also there. For I read in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2, it was only the second verse of the beautiful canon of Scripture that said the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. Oh, praise the Lord. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost were all present because they're unified. They're in one mind, in one accord. As a matter of fact, when it came to the crowning creation of man, it wasn't just God the Father that was involved. While, while it was God the Father that created the light and God the Father that separated light from darkness and, and waters from land and, and put all the animals in their places, animals of the sea, animals of the air, animals of the land. It was God the Father that did that. But when it came to his crowning creation, the Bible says God said these words, let us make man in our image. Why did he say let us make man in our image? I'll tell you why. Because it was God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost that were all present when you, the crowning creation of God, when you, the apple of his eye was formed and when his breath was breathed into your nostril, when you came not from your mother's womb but from the dust of the earth, when that happened, all three of the Trinity was present. I'm telling you, I ain't no junk today. I may not look like much to some of you, but I'm telling you in the eyes of the divine Trinity, I am fearfully and wonderfully made so much so that all three of them were involved in creating mankind. I wish somebody would give him praise. Don't allow nobody to tell you you're junk and you're no good. You're created in the image of the divine Trinity. <laughs> praise the Lord. Another example when they're all together was Jesus' baptism. The Trinity were present. When Jesus went down into the Jordan River, the Father's voice was heard out of heaven when he said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus himself was in the water. And the scripture says that while the Father's voice was speaking, thundering out of heaven, the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus as a dove. What I'm telling you here is that though, though they may be distinct in purpose, the Trinity stands together in being and existence. But grasp this on this Father's Day. The magnitude of his love, eternity past, Trinity always together, and in one climaxing single moment, with all of your sins, past, present, and future, piled upon Jesus. Separation occurred amongst the Trinity. How do you know, Pastor? 
I know because when Jesus was hanging, suspended between heaven and earth, and between two thieves, one of the seven sayings that he cried out was so heart-wrenching and heartbreaking when he said these words, My Father! My Father! Why have you forsaken me? God could not look on sin. And Jesus, who knew no sin, was loaded down with all of our sins. And therefore, there had to be separation. I'm going somewhere. You stay with me. The sacrifice of the Father. The agony of anticipation. Brother Larry, the pain of separation. In those moments that had never even existed in eternity past. And then thirdly, how about the the Father's decision to not send angels? Stay with me. When Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness, when he fought the devil tooth and nail with the word of God, the scripture says that angels on the end of that came to strengthen him. Who sent the angels? God sent the angels. When Jesus wrestled with God's will in the Garden of Gethsemane, when his sweat became as great drops of blood, when he was so earnest that he was consumed with the burden at hand, he got to the end of that moment while his disciples were sleeping, the comrades that had traveled with him for three and a half years while they were sleeping, while he was exhausted with what was about to take place, what happened? God sent an angel to strengthen him. It's in the word. But here on the cross, Jesus never cried out for any angels, although he could have. But neither did God send any angels to rescue him. Oh, I could imagine. Allow my mind to wander here. I could imagine... The angelic host mounted, swords drawn, they're at the threshold of heaven's gates, maybe, maybe on white horses, at the word, they're ready to descend upon Golgotha. They're ready to descend upon the outside of Jerusalem. And allow me just for a moment, a crucial decision comes. Because they're at the becking call of the Heavenly Father. God begins to ask the question. Do I save Jesus? Or save Donald Jones? Do I save Jesus? Or Ronnie Landreth? Do I save Jesus? Or Andrea Roop? Do I save Jesus? Or Dan Lawson? Friend, you need to hear this. 
just like Jesus refused numbing drink for his crushed and dehydrated body. Just like Jesus refused angelic intervention. God the Father who couldn't watch the weight of the world's sin upon his son. But he also refused to deliver his son from the weight of that sin. Because he loves you. Father God orchestrated it, planned it, followed through with it. And when crunch time came that good Friday between 9 and 3, the Heavenly Father didn't abandon the plan. Because the Heavenly Father loves you and I. Oh, Holy Spirit, seal this to someone's heart who's been looking at God up to this very day as someone to be scared of. And God is just saying, if you'll just come and run into my arms, I have the power and the ability to kiss away every hurt from every abuse and every neglect and every wrong treatment. Holy Spirit, help us today because my love for you is much more amazing than you can fathom or comprehend. Paul said his love passes all knowledge. Jesus said in John 17, 23, Father, you have loved them as you have loved me. Do you understand what he's saying there? Father, you have loved them as you have loved me. We have a tendency to say, okay, God loves Jesus more than us, and we're just coming in a close second. That's not what that says. There's no differentiation there. God loves us just like he loves Jesus. deeper than the ocean's depths his love is higher than the third heavens it's broader than the expanse of the universe I believe every dad in here would sooner die in your son's place than have him taken away I know I would did you know did you know that our love levels should be so great for each other that we should be willing to die for each other? I mean, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Yeah. And I would, I would hope, if push came to shove, that my love level for you as my brother and my sister, that I would be willing to give my life for you. But a greater sacrifice would be to give my son Ben for you. I'm not so sure. Fred, I love you, brother. But I'm not sure I'd give my son for you. It's doubtful that I would give my son for you. I'm not thinking so. Daniel, I love you, brother. But you got three boys. I got one. Once I get mine up, that's it. 
I would like to think I'd die for you. But I'm not so optimistic I would give my son for you. Are, are you getting this today? Are, are you understanding this today? True story. It was a Sunday evening, and the pastor's about to give his message. But he wants to introduce someone first. And so he told the congregation that he has a guest minister that's with him. He's one of his dearest childhood friends. He wanted him to greet the church. And so with that being said, this elderly man steps up to the pulpit and he begins to speak. And these were the words that he said. A father, his son, and a friend of his son were sailing off the Pacific coast. When a fast approaching storm blocked any attempt to get back to shore. The waves were so high that even though the father was an experienced sailor, he could not keep the boat upright and the three were swept into the ocean as the boat capsized. The old man stopped and he made eye contact with two young teenagers who suddenly started paying attention. The dad made it to the capsized boat in that storm that night in those few moments and as he got to the capsized boat, he was able to grab a rescue line as he was holding on himself. But he had to make the most excruciating decision of his life. To which boy would he throw the other end of his lifeline? He only had seconds to make the decision. The father knew that his son was a Christian. And he also knew that his son's friend was not a Christian. The agony of his decision could not be matched by the torrent of the waves. And so the father yelled out, I love you, son. But he threw out the lifeline to his son's friend. By the time the father had pulled the friend back to the capsized boat, his son had disappeared beneath the raging swells into the black of night. And his, son, his son's body was never recovered. The father knew his son would step into eternity with Jesus. But he could not bear the thought in that moment of his son's friends stepping into eternity without Jesus. He sacrificed his son to save his son's friend. How great is the love of God that he would do the same for you and I. After service, the two young teenagers, they made a beeline to the old man's side. And they say, mister, that was a nice story, but it's not very realistic that a man would give up his son so the other boy would become a Christian. The old man said, well, you got a point. As he looked down at his worn out Bible, and then he looked at those two young teenage boys and he said, you know, God did that for you and for me, you know. One more thing, fellas. I was that father, and your pastor is my son's friend. Oh, the magnitude of the father's love for us. Start to close here. 
you cannot do enough good to earn the Father's love. You cannot do enough bad to extinguish his love. He does not wash us and then love us. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus and you have no relationship with the Heavenly Father, let me tell you something. You're probably sitting there thinking that God loves me as a preacher that's been serving God for many years more than he loves you. That is simply not true. He loves you just as much as he loves me. He loves me just as much as he loves you. He does not wash us and then loves us. He loves us and then, and then he washes us and sets us free. I came across this. It's kind of, kind of tucked into the prophet Isaiah. But I want to read it to you and I want to read it slowly. It's one verse, one phrase in one verse. It's Isaiah 38 and 17. And listen to what it says. The prophet is talking to God, and this is what he says. He says, you have in love to my soul delivered it from the pit of corruption. You have in love to my soul delivered it from the pit of corruption, and you have cast all my sins behind your back. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Are you getting that? I don't want, I don't want you to miss that. Love comes first. Sin taken away comes next. God loves you because God is love. Say, so you don't know what I got to clean up. I'll tell you something else. We have allowed people's opinions of us to keep us from experiencing the love of God. Even spiritual people. We've gotten it backwards. Well, if I, if I can just impress my mom and daddy, if I can just impress my grandma and my grandpa, And then we mess up and, and we sense or see their disappointment in us. Let me remind all of us today. God never called the disciples to clean up the fish. He only called the disciples to catch the fish. Well, well whose job is it to clean them up? It's called the Holy Spirit. God loves them. Jesus died for them and the Holy Spirit cleans them up. We've got it backwards. Part of the reason people struggle is because they, their impression of God is through those around them that expect them to earn. Somehow we've got to fix that. And just say no matter what, God loves you and so do I. And then allow the Spirit Another true story. 
Spanish-speaking town. There's a Spanish father and a Spanish son that have become estranged from each other, bitterly apart. The son ran away. The father is desperately searching for him. He searched for months to no avail. He couldn't, he couldn't locate him. Finally, in a last ditch effort to find him, the father put an ad in a Madrid newspaper. And this is what the ad said. Dear Paco, meet me in front of this newspaper office at noon on Saturday. All is forgiven. I love you, your father. On Saturday, 800 Pacos showed up looking for forgiveness and love from their father. I wonder today if there's some some Pacos in the room that are looking for love from their father. Bow your heads. God, you know that in my finite way, but with the anointing of your spirit, I have delivered to these people, your people, how much the magnitude of your love is for them. Oh, Lord, if there's one here that has looked at you and they have a perception of you as a mean, harsh, hammer-down kind of a judge, Lord, through your word and through your spirit, no matter what earthly impressions have left them with, what earthly impressions have kept them separated from would you just in this very moment overwhelm them with your unconditional love Is there anyone here today that would say, Preacher, I would love to come and accept the best love that has ever been offered. I would, I, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm just going to ask you to get up from where you are. I have wrestled with this for years. I've wrestled with it for months. I have My impression of God has been skewed. It's been altered. It's been unbalanced. Anyone in the house? I would just love to feel God's arms around me. I've had enough people that have given me harsh impressions of who God is. 
I'm here to tell someone he saved you instead of saving Jesus. In just a few moments, we're going to take communion together. But you that are the redeemed of the Lord, if you feel comfortable, I know, I know when it comes to times like this, we have a tendency to focus on the second member of that triune Godhead, God the Son, Jesus Christ, the sacrificial lamb. But I just felt in my heart and in my spirit that for the focus of today, would there be anybody that would just want to say, dear sir, happy Father's Day to you. And you would just be willing to stand to your feet before we take communion, just lift your hands and just worship your heavenly Father. And just thank your heavenly Father for the amazing depth of love that he has for you. Come on, all over this house, in your own way. He's worthy of our hands to be lifted. <laughs> Paul said, I would that all men everywhere would lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting. In another place, the writer wrote, your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee. I will lift up my hands unto your name. <laughs> Just thank him. Just thank him right now. Father, thank you. You anticipated it for 4,000 years, but you didn't abandon the plan. You were separated from your son for those brutal moments because you couldn't look upon sin, but you didn't deliver him, deliver him from our sin. You could have sent angels, and maybe the thought was there to send angels and deliver him from the cross and bring judgment on mankind yet again as you had done earlier in Noah's day, but you didn't. You didn't send angels, and he didn't call for angels. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Father, for loving me. Thank you, Father, for loving me. You should have received. Just, you should have received the elements when you came in today, if you would take them in your hands. This is directed to the Spirit today. And I know that Jesus said, you remember me as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup. But today, I, I, I just sense that on this great day, that we just put our focus upon our Heavenly Father. I just really, really sense that. Let me just say, if you're here and maybe you've not accepted Jesus or you're here and there's sin in your life, I would I'd recommend you pass on communion if it's unconfessed. Just take a moment right now and just say, Lord, I've blown it this week. Forgive me. I've blown it this week. I've said something I shouldn't have said. I'd participated in something I shouldn't have participated in. I 
My attitude has been horrible. God, I'm sorry. Jesus, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I don't want to take this communion unworthily because this is a sacred time, a sacred moment. In Matthew 26, it tells us, and as they were eating, Jesus took the bread and blessed it and break it. And he gave it to the disciples and he said, take and eat. This is my body. You may now partake of the bread. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for your sacrifice of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Verse 27 says, And he took the cup, and he gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. You may now partake of the cup. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Can somebody lift the, one more time, lift your worship to the Lord, lift your worship to your Father. Could you do that right now? This is a sacred time of worship. Lord, we'll have celebrations and family get-togethers today, and we'll have exchanging and receiving of gifts. But happy Father's Day, sir. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, my heavenly Father. Every good and perfect gift comes from your open hand. You've never been tight-fisted with me. You've always been open-handed with me. I love you, God. Oh, the scripture admonishes us that we love you. We're motivated to love you because you first loved us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. And Lord, I just pray. I just pray. It sets us right now. You that lifted your hands in worship, put your hands out in front of you right now. As if you're ready to receive something. God, I just pray that you would give this word to them and seal this word to them that they understand from this day forward the amazing depth of your love as their father for them. We, mm, Satan is a liar and the father of lies. The word is truth. And God, you love these people unconditionally and for that we give you praise thank you Lord